Good morning and welcome to the podcast. We're really excited that you're here with us again, the Church and Coffee with Friends podcast. This is like episode six or something, and it's been going great so far. We're glad that you're here listening with us, and I'm here with my co-host, Joseph Cathcart. Oh, I love that. That's the first time you introduced me as a co-host, and I like the way that feels. I'm getting somewhere in life. Yeah, you're climbing up the ladder of success. (laughs) Social ladder, climbing up. Love it. Well, it's a beautiful day out there in Radio Land, and I hope you are well. Did you have a good day yesterday? Yeah, I had a really good day. It was like our first day of a little bit of rest because we've had After almost so many people three weeks of visitors coming to Japan, and it's been awesome and crazy. But yeah, it's been really busy. Yeah, yeah. The, the other day we got to see our good friend from college. You're probably going to bring that up, but Jorge. It was so good to see him yeah. and hang out with him the other day. Jorge, that was cool. It's just this random guy that we went to school with at IBC, mm-hmm. and he just happened to be in Japan, so we got together and had dinner with him. Spent the whole day, really enjoyed. Got to recap with him. He's from Monterey, Mexico, and we're friends with a lot of missionaries because you know our church sends a lot of missionaries out, and he just happened to be friends with someone, a missionary in Monterey, Mexico, Martin Fessler, and that's how he found IBC, and that was probably 10 years ago. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen him. Because Jorge and the other guys were in the class right below me, and I was right below you. So we spent a lot of time together at IBC, and it's our first time to see him in in nine or ten years. It's really good to see him. He has a really interesting business that he does in Japan. He helps supply parts for race cars or something. Yeah, is that what he does? Yeah, it's really cool. Like drag racing. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said it's basically like Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. That's basically what he does that sounds so cool. for a living. I want to go to a race. He's a really smart guy, good businessman. So anyway, Jorge, if you're out there, it's great to see you. And it was so good to have all of our visitors here. And we're still kind of yes, just reflecting on that time and In the having everyone here. It was really, really a special time. It was great. So a lot of people have been listening to this show, and so far we've had over 200 people listen to this show. What? Which is pretty great. What? Really? Crunching the analytics. That's so cool. It could be higher than that, because it's not an exact number. Did you know that we have listeners in Japan, of course, America, Texas, Montana, uh, Kansas, California, probably? Really? That's right. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. We even have visitors in China, did I say that? And no. Germany. That's right. We have a missionary in Germany, and he's like our number one fan. And we, let me say, we... He would be like the best person in the world yeah. to be on the podcast. He would. He's got a great uh, voice, too. Yeah, he does. And we're also his number one fan. He sings a song, a really great song. It's actually his and my song, um, but he usually sings it without me. But What's you the can song? ask him about that. Well, you you just ask him and he'll. Did you want to sing your part for us? Uh, no, it's it's I uh, play the cajon for it. But uh, it's this special thing between him and me. But he also does it by himself all over the world. But okay. I feel like I'm always part of it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like the Johnny Cash of Germany. Wade knows what I'm talking about. It's our song. You should actually get a clip of his song. He should send Wade. You should send your song to Bobby, our song, 
and we can open up with it next time. That'd be awesome. I'd love to hear it. It's a great song. We even got some reviews on iTunes. Oh, goody. I love this. Do you like reviews? Yeah, it's my favorite thing. So It's so helpful to my self-esteem most of the time. So the first review is from someone named Mauricio, and he says the title of his review is A Very Good Listen. And he said... I don't even know a Mauricio. Yeah, well, we know him. I know him. Awesome. And he said, church plus coffee with friends is right. Great podcast to listen to while driving to work, sipping on coffee, or just going through your day. You'll get some good laughs and insight on what's going on in missions work in Japan. That makes me feel so good. (laughs) And we had one other review from Ethan... my brother and he said would listen again so it's not a ringing That's endorsement nice. hey but, but he said i would i would it's check it out again and he said current events theology and more i like that and we've That's got so like gq and mature it does thank you guys for the reviews thank you for reviewing the show if you would like to review the show you can do that on itunes And we've got over 10 reviews already together, but those are the best Mm. reviews that we chose out. So thanks for listening. We're enjoying doing the show and being here with you. And how about this weather lately? This weather is amazing. Japan has settled into a nice, very cool October, and we're enjoying sunny days where you can enjoy the sunshine because it's not too hot to be outside. And actually, Augustus and Covington and Whitney and myself had a picnic yesterday in the sunshine is perfect picnic weather. That's great. When my dad was here last week, he was one of the many visitors that we had. There was that little typhoon coming through. And on the day the typhoon was coming through, and there were winds probably like 40 miles an hour, we decided that was a great day to go for a walk in the park. <laughs> and so we took our umbrellas, went walking in the park, and people already look at us like we're crazy because we're Americans. But they really looked at us crazy when we were carrying umbrellas in the middle of a typhoon. You may as well take it to the next level and just bring out your whole family for this walk in the rain. Yeah, right. In the typhoon. And it wasn't that bad of a typhoon. I mean, it was just some heavy rain and some wind. Well, actually, it wasn't that bad in our area. You're right. But it did knock out a lot of power in Chiba Prefecture and Nagano, which we were just in Nagano. I was telling you about being in Nagano about a month ago. And that whole area now is flooded pretty badly. Yeah, they had a lot of the bullet trains that were flooded and a little bit of damage, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like, the, we had, last year we had a bad typhoon, so it wasn't that bad in comparison. But, you know, typhoons are never fun to mess around with. Yeah. But yeah, when we were taking our umbrellas outside, the wind was like shredding them apart and falling apart. And we didn't last outside very long, but it was fun to get outside and enjoy the cool air. But I think the storm helped usher in some cooler weather. And I've noticed, I mean, it's like 60 degrees here, maybe 65 in the morning or gets up to around 70 in the afternoon. But I've noticed that people are dressed up like it's Siberia out there. Right, because it's changed. It's now fall. And so in Japan, there's a really interesting thing about Japan. No matter what the weather actually is, when the season changes, and they the do the same. Change. They do the same thing in China, too. Do they? Okay, yeah. So as soon as it's fall, people start to dress warm and they'll say, are you not cold if you're wearing a t-shirt? But it can be the same temperature or close to the same temperature as it was two weeks ago in the quote unquote summertime. But 
you know, it's just a change of season. It's really interesting how they do that. They follow the calendar, not how it feels outside. And when I was teaching English at a school in Kashihara, it was the same way. There was a different, you know, outfit or uniform, I guess, for for the winter months versus the summer months because they go to school more of the year here. And it would change on a certain date, but even if the weather hadn't caught up to the calendar yet and it was still really cold, then everyone would still be wearing their t-shirts or whatever because it was springtime, technically. So at the beginning of this week, our last visitors left. Of course, our friend was here from IBC, but also Archie and Verna Alderson were here because they stayed after the other group came and they kind of spent some more time in Japan, spoke at some churches. But if you don't know who they are, they're really legends in the country of Japan and even in the church in America. And yes, they are. They've been in Japan for more than 40 years. Right. They retired in 2004 to go back to the States, but they spent 40 years in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're heroes, heroes of missionaries in Japan and everywhere. And we asked Archie, like, when you moved to Japan, did you think you were going to be there for 40 years? Oh, really? What did he say? He said, no. Really? <laughs> he said, absolutely not. He said, I wouldn't have been able to handle that. Like, I would have just collapsed. Just too much. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Right. Oh, man. I would have loved it if you had recorded your conversation with him when you guys went to their hotel room. Yeah. So, yeah, like you like you just said, we were able to get together in their hotel room because they were flying out of Osaka. And so our family went to downtown Osaka and kind of spent the evening with them, had dinner with them in their hotel room. Their daughter, Cheryl, was also there. But he said some really encouraging things because we're trying to get this outreach slash church started called the Good News Center. And he said, people don't realize that when we came to Japan, we had nothing mm-hmm. there. He said, you're seeing these big facilities, these big churches. We didn't have any of that. All we had was tents in our home. Mm-hmm. And we would just meet in parking lots or open areas anywhere we could. That's and so cool. people see the 40 years of work, but they don't see the labor that went into that. Right. Yeah. And the starting from absolute zero and scratch. Right. Because when they moved to Japan, they didn't speak Japanese either. They didn't speak Japanese. And the first church that he started uh, is a really big church now. It's got over 100 people, which in Japan is kind of like a mega church. Mm -hmm. And that church he started with the translator because he was still learning the language. And that translator went on to become the pastor and has been the pastor since he was 30 years old. And he's 89 now. Wow, that's, that's cool. 60 years yes, of that's so cool. ministry. And him and Archie are the same age, so it's this interesting relationship where they've been working together since they're 30. They're both still alive, and they're 89 years old. And it's so cool to think about the relationships that you form in working in the gospel. And it was just interesting hearing his stories about Japan and how his wife, uh, Verna, who is just like the sweetest person in the world. She can't stand the food in Japan. Right. Yeah, I know. She lived here for more than 40 years and doesn't like the food. And that's that's another testament to how awesome they are. And she doesn't like seafood. And yeah. a lot of the food in Japan is obviously seafood being an island. And she said, don't get me wrong. I love the Japanese people. I love our time here. But it makes me feel so much better when I don't like something yeah, or it's getting, you're getting used to the culture. Like I'm not a freak. 
Right. You it's don't have normal. to love everything. Right. These people that were here for 40 years, they couldn't even eat all the food, <laughs> you know, even today. And so uh, they were, you know, they're a little bit older now, so they're pretty free and open with their opinions. And so a lot of times if Verna was eating dinner, she would just say, I can't eat this. Right. <laughs> and Archie would sweetly say, well, honey, sweetheart, you, you just got to eat it, honey. They, they, <laughs> they, someone paid good money for this and you just got to eat it. And she would just say, I just can't do it, no, honey. I'm not going to do <laughs> no, it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's great. I and love, I love that. that. Yeah. That's great fortitude. Yeah. Well, so I hope that when we're 89 years old, you'll still have me on your podcast every once in a while. Yes. Absolutely. Of I'm course. sure by then, like, I won't make too many jokes. I'm sure I'll have toned down yeah. sufficiently. Well, someone paid you a compliment this week and said that you had really matured. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, uh, As in God, the last, is, in God the last is really nine years. I had, I had matured. God is really working in your life. I'm glad to hear it. I'm really glad to hear that. It was so funny having Pastor Matt here. He's our friend, so yeah. sometimes we just call him Matt. So if we just say Matt, sometimes don't be offended. But Matt, of course, he's both of our really good friends. He's actually so one thing that I heard somewhat about, related to Joseph. One thing that I heard about in this time that you know all of our guests were here is that you kind of podcast cheated on me. You're on a different show. Yes, me and Matt did a podcast in his hotel room, and so that was kind of fun. You uh, podcast cheated on me in a hotel room. Yes, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's podcast cheated, but we did a podcast in a hotel room uh, because that's where Matt was staying. So he had brought microphones over so we could do a podcast. So anyway, in this podcast, we've we talked about the interesting relationship that Joseph and Matthew have, or at least we we Alluded Matt has to it. Matt has some strong opinions about. Joseph's lifestyle. And I love my cousin Matt, but when I'm around him, I tend to say things that I may or may not actually believe because it stirs up really fun conversations. And I think we both kind of do that, unless he's serious. I don't know if he's serious the whole time. But I usually say things that afterwards are like, wow, I don't even believe that, what I said. But So for a little bit of context, Joseph, you're from... Montana. Montana. So, of course, by nature, you're somewhat... By nature? Like sin nature? No pun or, intended. By nature, you're somewhat... I don't believe in a sin country nature, by the people. way. I can defend it. You're Go so, ahead. You're somewhat country people. You live out in the country. Your parents have a log cabin, right? Yeah. And you kind of enjoy that sort of lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I love it. Yeah, it's the, and, to me, the only way for me to live. So even though you're in Japan, it's a little bit harder to live that Montana lifestyle here. You still live somewhat out in the country. Yeah. Yeah. I think country is just my most comfortable place. And so I'm the most natural and comfortable there. So that's where I'll live. We lived for a place not in the country for two years in Japan. And then thankfully, thank God, we found a place. He helped us find a place in the country and we love it. And so me and my family, my wife, April, we live kind of in the city. You know, it's a good location. I guess it would be considered kind of the suburbs of Osaka. But just setting up this thought that Matt thought it is just so hilarious slash horrible that this lifestyle that you've chosen. And he listed quite <laughs> a few critiques on the way you're living. 
Oh, he did? Yeah, and he actually called you out in the podcast. Oh, yes, yes, I've got that, that right we here. recorded. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, I've got it right did here. You, you haven't? Yeah, I've got to press play. Okay. You want me to press play? Let's listen to this clip, and then we'll give you a fair opportunity to respond to it. And T, one, three. I think people don't realize for missionaries in any country that it takes quite a little, uh, quite a lot of energy just to live and survive. Right, and, just to get going. You know. I think it's taken us about a year to kind of get comfortable navigating, getting around in this country. But now it's great because we're getting to quite a level of comfort, just getting around and able to see people and get to locations easier. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I could really I could really see that that you're very comfortable with the transportation system. You took us all all of us. I mean, how many of us were there that went down yeah, that was on quite an adventure. I think there was about 15 of us getting on a train together Yeah, with two-minute time change in yeah. between trains, and you got to run across and the And you station. had all your kids with you. and We were carrying strollers, strollers upstairs. Strollers, April's pregnant. Yeah. Whitney and Joseph are like Mennonite Amish. They don't <laughs> usually get out of the country much. Right. <laughs> they're... In the yeah. big city, yeah, uh, on the trains, and what what did you think about the trains in Japan? Oh, I love it because uh, you kind of got out and explored. In the big city. <laughs> oh, oh my wow. goodness! I right. cannot stop laughing. Right behind this. my back. I mean, first I wasn't invited to the podcast, and then I don't even know if that would be considered behind your back. It's like right in the front. The only thing worse than that would be like talking about my body odor or something. I don't know. In fairness, I tried to change the topic pretty quickly. Yeah, I appreciated how you you kind of went for me a little bit. I was trying to be I a loyal friend. You didn't put your friend. neck out for me exactly, but you kind of like dialed it in a little bit. I was trying to balance these two relationships. <laughs> And Matt's like, yeah, like you were saying, he's like throwing this dagger on the table and he's like, hey, you want it? Do it. You want it? <laughs> well, I think that's great. And uh, Matt, if he wants to be a city boy, then that's totally fine with me. I have no qualms about that. And uh, I can, you know, but I, you know, I do end up saying things when I'm around him that are probably way more extreme that probably make it look like I'm trying to be Jeremiah Johnson or something well okay so let's talk about some of the things that may have prompted him to this interjection okay. <laughs> yes for instance okay yeah one example the gallons of mason jars in your car can you explain that okay man this is going to be an embarrassing podcast i guess so i don't like so is it true that you believe plastic is evil uh no i don't believe plastic is evil of course i don't believe plastic is evil but there are a pretty high number of estrogens in plastic. And so I don't want to consume everything out of plastic all the time. So I like drinking out of glass. But I don't like to spend money on things that I don't like. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to spend $3 on a glass that I don't like. So I'd rather just not spend the money. You understand what I mean? Not really. So... We've had glasses, regular glasses in Japan before, but we also have two boys and we don't, you know, tie them up or anything. So they live pretty freely, but that usually ends up in things getting broken. And so all of our regular glasses, like this nice glass that you have here for me, this is lovely. And I really like this. I like the size. I like how easy it is to drink out of. I like that I don't have to fill up a quart. That's great. But uh, it breaks easily. 
and all of ours have broken. And you know, just like so, do you didn't want to buy more? So we just happened to have these mason jars from you know having raw honey and stuff like that. And maybe that's weird. I don't know. Raw honey, it's really good. But anyway, so now we have all these mason jars, and that just happens to be the only glass that we have in the house. And I don't have a water bottle. Or no, okay, I have a stainless steel water bottle. It's just that it's like 16 ounces, and I want more water than that. So yes, we picked up Matt from the airport, and I've got my two quarts of water with me in these mason jars. And he probably thinks I'm like trying to be this uh hipster like cool guy typical hipster yeah yeah it, it came by it honestly they just what we have in our house okay so mason, I mean, mason so jars when we, when that's we're not back that in america weird. you know whitney will find some glasses and stuff that she likes and enjoys and you know she but she's like me she doesn't want to spend money on something she doesn't really like so so that's so not you that got, weird so you guys instead was weird. weird are just using mason jars indefinitely no, just while we live here. I mean, it's just what we have here. I'm just not going to buy. So in Montana, you don't use mason jars. Uh, no. Well, we do. Yeah. So it's not that you're living in Japan or that you can't afford it. It's just that you don't. If you, you were going to, you have, like using mason okay, jars. Okay. If it's a summer day and you were going to have a nice quart of iced tea, how would you do it? I would get a pitcher and I would put tea bags in and hot water and yeah. pour it into a nice cup. A cup. A glass. A glass. How yeah. big? Average sized glass. So doesn't that run a little small for you? Don't you want a little bit more maybe? No, because I like to keep refilling I mean, it. What, if you looked up iced tea on Instagram, you would see a mason jar with a lemon in it full of iced tea and full of ice and it's beautiful and big and you can carry it around with you all day long. Okay. So that's just one small example. How else was Matt sort of... I feel like I'm on defense. Offended by your lifestyle. Uh, no, I, I think he, I think he sees it. Or why, why do you think your lifestyle is preferable for you? For me? Yeah. Okay. I will tell this funny story. We were in Montana a couple of years ago and I grew up more country than most people do. When, when I was 10, we moved into a log cabin and we kind of roughed it, you know, and usually most people in Montana have a story of roughing it. They either slept in tents for their first winter in Montana because the winters are harsh in Montana and everything. So anyway, this funny story, Matt came up to the missions conference in Montana one year and, you know, Matt's from San Antonio and he's lived in the city all his life. Which means in San Antonio, it's just like a normal place. It's not like Manhattan. It's just a normal place. It's a city. It's like with three neighborhoods. We have parks. We have trees. Okay. Yeah. It's this nice balanced lifestyle right right but it is a city so he was at our house and my parents live in this cabin and my dad had to go get some firewood because we heated our house with wood stove and a fireplace and matt went outside and he he was just like it was hitting him you know that country living because we're like eight miles off of a paved road so it's dirt road for eight miles and then another eight miles to town to town we call it you know to the nearest gas station so you, since you brought that up, I just want to say that even for Montana, you guys are kind of like, maybe there, we there are normal people who live in the city. It's a very like hipster artsy yeah. type town. Yeah. And I don't know what you define so you're, as normal. People. I don't even know if you would be considered normal for Helena, Montana. Well, there are a lot of people that live the way we do and much rougher maybe. But 
anyway, back to the story. Matt went outside and he just like sat down outside and he was enjoying it. But I was like, so Matt, how is it? You know, what do you think of all this, this, uh, where we live here? And he's like, yeah, um, no, no, I love it. I love it. It's great. It's, um, but you know, some of it just seems like a little unnecessary. And as he was saying that my dad is driving up over the hill in his, is John Deere like log skitter and he's pulling 10 trees behind him in this log skitter to bring up to the house so that he can get his chainsaw and buck him up for firewood so that we can stay alive that night. (laughs) The timing was perfect because as Matt was saying, a little unnecessary, uh, my dad drove over the hill and Matt was like, like that, like, is that really necessary? Do you have to have this huge machine just to heat your house? And anyway... So I think he probably has this perception of us that we're like these crazy country people and maybe he's right. I don't know. But I think the point that he brought up was kind of interesting. And I think it's fair that isn't this all, isn't that a little bit unnecessary to live like that? Like we solved these problems 40 years ago, 60 years ago. No. Okay. If you live in the city, you don't have to cut up wood to survive anymore. If you, if you have enough money and you live in the city but here's the thing would you rather live in the country or would you rather live in the city i think there's benefits to both i think there's that's fine great things about living in the country right but when it comes to the practical day-to-day connecting with the church kingdom of god people Uh uh-huh i think i'd rather live in the city for really being part of the church and the kingdom well we're part of the church you just drive to a meeting place it's just that your kingdom of God is much smaller. Okay. <laughs> okay. And you don't have to. I thought I was part of the same kingdom. You don't have so. to see people as often. You don't have to interact with human beings as much as people in the city right. do. So, so in the city, we constantly have fellowship and I break, don't know if you could call break it fellowship. bread together and in the city, share in the spirit. I mean, in the city, you're constantly passing people. But in the city, because there's so many people, you learn to not even look at people in the eye. So we're from the country in Helena, and Helena is our town, but, you know, it's a small town, so people look at each other in Helena, right? That that might be true for some cities, but I think in San Antonio, I think people are pretty friendly. And I think there's this misconception that city people, like, want to cut your throat when you have your back turned. So to me, it's just a preference thing. Do you prefer to live in the city, or do you prefer to live in the country? On, on Instagram, I did a poll. And I said, would you rather live in the city or the country? And in the first poll, 67% said country and 33% said city. So there are those city people who want to live in the city. Now, and I know you're going to have a response to this. And then I did it in Japanese as well. And in Japanese, 45% said they wanted to live in the country. And 55% said they wanted to live in the city. And I did the same poll actually on uh, Facebook. And 100% said they wanted to live in the city, but it was only one person. Oh, no, no. It's 50-50 now because someone else voted and they voted country. It's a preference thing, just like the old Aesop's fable. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Town mouse and country mouse. It's this classic Aesop's fable. Okay, see, this is a great example of why you should live in the city because nobody in the city has read Aesop's Everyone fable. Everyone in the city for has like a hundred years. Aesop's no, we fable. did. We it's did. Classic. 
We did in uh, 1905. We read it all the time. <laughs> okay. Well, people, any movie that you watch is going to be based off of this old literature and old stuff like Shakespeare or Aesop's Fables or different things like that. I mean, this, well, I mean Shakespeare, they're all the same stories. Shakespeare is one thing, but I, I mean, mean, Aesop's Fable, Snow White, anything from Disney, those are all old stories from like the 1700s. So it's not like Walt Disney wrote any of that stuff. He just rewrote the, stories right, for but, it. But I mean, you don't hear people walking around talking about Aesop's Fables. I do. I don't know. Don't you? Okay. Anyways, yeah. Share, share all the little birds in the country and the butterflies that are flitting about. Usually, talk about Aesop's Fable when I'm out there talking to them in the countryside and whispering to the foxes as they run by my house and the wild boar. See, in the city, we have real people that we can talk to and interact with. We don't have to create imaginary and friends. And in this corner, kicking it up for the country, Joseph Cathcart, four-time world champion, firewood splitter. No, okay, so let me just tell you about the town mouse and the country mouse. There's a town mouse and a country mouse in Aesop's Fable, and they both go to visit each other. So first, the town mouse goes to visit the country mouse, and he kind of enjoys it, but he feels like it's a little bit dirty out there in the country, and he's not used to just those kinds of foods that the country mouse eats because the country mouse is just, you know, probably picking out of I don't know, fields and things like that. And he has to work a little bit harder for his stuff. And then the country mouse goes and visits the city mouse. And of course, he doesn't like it there, especially the food is amazing because they can, you know, get food from from restaurants and different things like that out of the garbages or whatever. But there's all this danger in the city for the country mouse because of like wild or stray cats and different things like that. So it's just this cute little story that's been done and redone and and how both can see the enjoyments of the city like i see the enjoyment of the city and then the other one can see the enjoyments of course of the country but then they at the in the end the country mouse likes the country and the city mouse likes the city and i'm just a country mouse i guess so i think what what you're saying is interesting but i feel like and i understand that the town mouse he likes something more things from the town and the country mouse likes some things from the country but to me the country mouse aka joseph that's me you would get so bored by things in the country because there's only so many things you can do whereas in the city there's like this unlimited options of things to do see i don't see it that way and this is so interesting to have this conversation because i don't see it as more things to do I think I see it as like a restricted amount of things that you can do that people have set up for you to do. And in the country, I see it as this unlimited array of anything you can do. The sky's your limit because you can actually see the sky and you can just kind of make things up that you want to do yourself, build something, make something, hike something. And so it's a different, but I see what you're saying too. You go into the city and there's these things that you can do and see that other people have made but i'd prefer to do my own making maybe i think the real reason that you don't like the city is that you hate spending money well that's a good point so if you go to the city and you don't have and, money to spend there's not really anything to and do. most people don't have like most people they don't necessarily have that feeling yeah they feel like if i really want to go do something i can go do it that's and a I'm, good not, point. I'm not going to be thinking about money all the time. But but I do have one more thing in defense of the country. When someone is a successful businessman, he usually 
goes and vacations in the country. I think that's what the country is for. I absolutely agree. Like if someone wants to write a book, if you want some right. quiet time, right. then go to the country. Okay, but that's the kind of life that but, I want to live most of the time. But you can't go to the country and write a book unless you are in tune with society and the way the world thinks and connecting and relating to people in the real world. But what about all the people in the country? I mean, Anne. There's like five Anne people in the Gables, country. There's she, like this isn't the 1800s. And wrote there's about like the country. There's like five people living in the country now. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. That's that's true in like places like outside of San Antonio. You go out to the country and there's no one there. But like in Montana, the majority of the people do live outside of the cities. I would say maybe not the majority. See, I think even even in Montana, which was surprising to me, is there's a really good vibrant city life and even in your small town there's a really nice city and even you like when you talk about Helena you don't tell me I went to the field of quaking aspens I might more often you tell me hey I went to the silver star or the greasy spoon yeah or I went to the mercantile yeah I went to this cool coffee shop and there's so many more things that you can enjoy but I tell in the city. you the things like that because I know that you would appreciate things like that. If I would told my I dad like, that, like he'd be like, "Blow it out your old wazoo." I don't care if you went to go eat in town. He'd say, "Tell me about something in the mountains," because that's what he would prefer. Well, I like the mountains too. I I have talked to you about the continental divide, and I'm more than happy to talk about that too. Right. So, at living in the city, one of the reasons I like living in the city is I feel. Like, I can speak both languages. Because in the city, just hear me out for a second. I'm listening. Let's take London, for example. Or even Tokyo. So, you got this huge metropolitan area. Lots of cities, lots of concrete. But what I love about cities is the garden. So, London is full of gardens. And when I'm saying garden, I'm thinking, like, cultivated. It's not wild nature, but it's set there. And it's a park. Or it's uh, a garden. So when you think about England and London, it's full of beautiful gardens. And there's a city, there's a there's something close by, there's some action, but what I like about the city is it br- it seems to me to bring the nature and life together. So hear me out. All of those people have a longing, deep longing for a garden and for the country. And of so they're course. trying to bring as much of that into That's- the city. As they can, because at the heart of man is to get out into nature and see nature. Well, what I love can about I the read Bible, to you? yes. Let me say before you read that, what I love about the Bible is it starts in the garden. I was gonna say this, and it ends in the city. And I think the conversation we're having is somewhat helpful because I think the best way to look at it is to bring the two together. And I feel like personally that the city brings the two together better. Okay, I see how you feel that way. I don't agree. I can't agree <laughs> because the city There's no it. city. Like you're totally disconnected from reality because you live <laughs> out in the country. That is not true. Have you heard of things like internet and all the people? What about all the people that are actually living in the country? You can't just forget about those people. I love Matt's in the big shitty. <laughs> in the big shitty. So listen to this, Don Metcalf, I'm gonna quote him and pretend that he's on my side because maybe he is because he lived in Los Angeles to in order to preach the gospel and start a church and get people saved. And he said this, man was made to live in a garden. 
and the further away he gets from it, the more violent he becomes. Okay. So is he like, is this like Don Metcalf 316? What I'm saying is... I I mean, we love Don Metcalf. He's our friend, but really, I mean, is he the authority? Yes, absolutely. Don is the authority. Don't you think? (laughs) I mean, he grew up in the country, so I can see how he thinks that. Well, what I'm saying is everyone has this deep longing to get out into the country. I even asked Matt. I said, Matt, where do you want to live? Would you rather live in the country or the city? He said... He said, like, when he's done working, he wants to live in the country someday. He wants to go live in in that place wherever they go to. You know, because they even go and vacation in the countryside because they love it. Everyone loves it. Okay. I just love it all the time. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But I think what Matt's saying is he's not retiring. He's not, like, homesteading for Jesus. Right. He is working for the kingdom. And, yes, he would love to go live and Timbuktu, and have his nice little cup of coffee in the morning, and do all the things that are relaxing about the country. But he's saying the time is not yet. There's work to be done in this world. Right. There's just also work to be done in the country. But how? But, but not as much in the kingdom of God, because there's, by definition, less people well, yeah, but to if, work with. If all of the kingdom all the people of- are in the city. <laughs> Jesus came for the people. But Jesus saw the multitudes, <laughs> and he was moved with compassion. I love this. When you go into Osaka and you're on the train, yes, you see the multitudes, and is your heart not moved with compassion for them? Absolutely, it is. And actually, some of the time, it's moved so much that it's overwhelming to me. But in Gojo, where I live in the countryside, there are still thirty thousand people in that town. And they don't know Jesus either. So my heart is moved with compassion towards country people as well as city people. And the people who live and in I, the little hamlets beyond there. And I agree too. Like I, oh, I, of course. We agree with I each other. I think that all those people are important. And the, your way of life doesn't matter. You're both valuable to God. And I think there should be churches in rural areas. And one of the things that I don't necessarily like is that there's a lot of church movements that are specifically focused on the city. I think we should also focus on even rural areas where there's not a huge market to create a big church, but those people are really important and valuable to God. But just looking at the big picture, and if you're someone who just likes to strategize and you're just trying to think, how can I reach a lot of people? You know, Paul did this where he would go to the big hubs. His desire all through the New Testament is to get to Rome. Why did he want to go to Rome? He wanted to go there because he could see everywhere he went the influence of Rome. And he wanted to go where the influence was to change that. And, of course, we know just from church history and world history that he did that. And Rome became the central uh, headquarters, I guess you could say, of Christianity. Right. Yeah. I think that people need to be reached no matter where you are. And so God is a God, I'm sure, who loves the country. And he loves, I mean, he, what he loves is city. So he, he, did I say what he loves is city? I mean, what he loves is people. And there are people in both places. Right. But I think it all boils down to one thing. And I'm not talking about missiology at all here. What I'm saying is people love the countryside. Everyone does. And people may want to live there. Like even on the polls, more people would say, I want to live in the country. But more people will not live in the country because it's a lot more work to live in the country. It's harder work to live. Unless you have an excessive amount of money, it's harder work to live 
in the countryside or like you, with your privacy and your mountains and your own 40 acres you, it's harder work you say it's more work because as pastor matt was saying isn't it all a bit unnecessary no it's not unnecessary if you live in a subdivision but if you live on your own piece of property and you have to plow your own snow to get out then so yeah. what, but what matt's saying is we've solved those problems to where you don't have to cut up wood to survive anymore like technology has progressed to where we don't have to rely on that so if you do it it's not bad it's good it's fine but it's because you enjoy that niche lifestyle well what i know what i'm saying is if you want to live in the country easily if you want an easy life in the country then it takes a lot of money but some people like us don't have a lot of money but they still i still want that payoff of living in the country so in that case it takes more work than it does to live in the city because you know if i have 40 acres or 20 acres or whatever and when the fall comes i'm gonna have to rake my own leaves when the summer comes i'm gonna have to mow my own grass when the winter comes i'm gonna have to plow my own snow so there's more work to be done you know depending on how you're going to heat your house with firewood or if you've got in-floor heating and you can pay for that or if you want to just do the firewood way then you have to it's a lot of work so most people will live in the city because it's less work and they'll vacation in the country I feel like it's not cheaper to live in the country because you're buying all these crazy machines. You know, you're logging 10 trees out of the woods at one time. You're doing things that really aren't necessary to survive because you can get all the things you need through electricity now. It just depends on where you are in the world, I think. So some, some, what I'm saying is if you want to live in the country easily, then that will take a lot of money. But you can live in the country less easily and spend less money but it will be a lot of work and a lot of people don't want to spend the time to work on that kind of thing they'd rather you know spend their time doing something else but i like the payoff also of all that hard work and providing for yourself to me that's fun i love to be able to provide uh, my kids with work so they're stacking firewood for us and i'm paying them and i like the ability to you know teach them a little bit of work ethic and say that they're not just doing this because, you know, I'm trying to teach them about work, but it's something that actually has to be done. And so when we're all enjoying the fire in the evening, warm, they know that they did something to bring that to the table also. So I think that's great. And that's something that I think many people listening would say that's something I would enjoy doing. That would be something I would want to do when I retire or right. that would be like a dream that I want to do. But a lot of people would say, I have work to do now. And that would be that would take up too much of my time. And there are, you know, I guess you could say from someone from a Christian perspective, you would say that I want to spend my time with people. I want to cultivate people. I want to be, you know, doing that sort of thing that I don't want to invest all my energy and time in just, you know, my house or my area. Well, I think people are doing the same thing on both sides. So if there's someone who lives in the country and he thinks of Mondays as his day for himself, he'll probably stay at home and whittle his own rocking chair on a Monday. But if there's someone who lives in the city and they think of Mondays for themselves, they'll go into town to a theme park or whatever, you know, to enjoy it. But they're not necessarily interacting one on, they're not really having conversations with people. People are all around them, but they're not necessarily like investing into people because it's their Monday, you know, it's their day. And just like the country person on his Tuesday, he'll go and meet people at the local whatever and invest in people 
or I don't, I don't like the way that sounds. Invest in people sounds so like leadership esque, but you know what I mean. It just, I think both people are doing the same thing. But what I'm saying is that what you're doing is great, but what there's still work to be done. Absolutely. For the kingdom of God. Absolutely. So why spend all this time like living in an unnecessary lifestyle just because you prefer that lifestyle? Like, shouldn't you just live in the city, start a church in your home and just tell people about Jesus? Yeah. I mean, if that's what God calls you to do, or if that's what you have a passion for doing, or if you wanted instead to live in the country and still go out and tell people about Jesus, then you could do it that way too. Yeah. You can do both. I guess. Yeah. You can do both. It just depends on what you want to spend your time doing. So if you want extra time to watch a movie or something like that, maybe country's not, life isn't you know the best for you because you might need to spend that time working in some way. You know. But you guys watch movies a lot. Sure. And your parents yeah. watched movies or still watch movies a lot. Sure. Yeah. Every person has the choice of what they want to do in their life, be they a town mouse or a country mouse, and they just all have their preferences. And a country mouse can go into the city and enjoy it and enjoy some of the really good food. That's one of my favorite things about the city is you can get really great food at restaurants there. But then, too, the city mouse will come out to the country and enjoy the country mouse lifestyle and all of that fresh air. Right. So I'd rather be connected to society 90% of the time and disconnected from society 10% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the reverse. But there are there are those people that would rather be disconnected from society and those people need to be reached too. And so that's what like our, our But if church, you have a bunch of people disconnected from society, then why would they connect with you? Well, they they just, go out in the country to be by themselves. Yeah, exactly. And so that's one of the things that uh, my dad has always talked about starting a church in Montana is most men in Montana would say, you know, the mountains are my cathedral. I go to meet with God when I go hunting or I go to meet with God when I'm hiking in the woods. And that's a big you know, a uh, hard thing to get past, but those people still get reached by the gospel of Jesus. And even if they don't necessarily like to be with people all that much, there's, there's still that overcoming power of the gospel that causes people to come together and forbear with one another yeah. and give it to each other. And I love the people in the church. They're really sweet people, really nice people. Um, but I would make the argument that that uh, culture, even in Montana, is uh, sort of a niche group. And so when I think of the multitudes, I think of the city. But maybe that's just because that's the way I was raised and the environment that I kind of enjoy. Yeah. Well, you were raised that way. And I was raised in the country. So it's what I think is great is that this little country mouse and the city mouse are getting together on this podcast and they're mousing it all up and they're able to see eye to eye part of the time. Is that, is that like one of those cool stories where they end up like cutting each other's heads off and stuff? Because some of those European stories, is there like a cool twist or something cool at the end of the story? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they just agree to disagree and, uh, uh, you know, move back to the country and move back to the city. Yeah. So I think the moral of this podcast is that in the end, even though mankind started in the garden, we eventually made the journey to the city. I don't know that that's the moral. That's just what it says in the Bible. There's some people who don't take the Bible literally, so I can understand why you know what I will you might say have some hard feelings. Is that God said that to passage. be fruitful and multiply and replenish or fill the earth, and not to clump yourself up in cities. So that's what we're doing: is filling the earth, not living out in 
I think you have to spread out a little bit more in order to fill it. Last I flew, there was a lot of open space. But in the end, we'll all come together in the city of God, so it'll all work out in the end. Where's that knife that Matt was talking about? Well, thanks for joining us today. Really enjoyed this discussion. Have a great week, wherever you are. wake up in a city that doesn't sleep And find I'm king of the hill Top of the heap These little town blues